0: Well, good morning, church, and I'm glad and really appreciative of all of those that are checking in, letting us know where they are, and those that have made it out here to the the sound stage. Thank you, and thank you, Al. When you get up, it's honest that I I, I can honestly say it's always a treat and a surprise. Um, <laughs> it's 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 rather like a roller coaster. You you know it's going somewhere. Um, and, and at the end of it we're all going to be okay so but the, love, love, love you brother we've been telling stories and we've been taking Bible characters and we will be doing that we're continuing that series but we will sometimes tell other kinds of stories and this is a different kind of story instead of telling you about a character in the Bible we're going to tell you about a phenomenon that's had a deep impact on many people and a phenomenon that is far more widespread than you might imagine. And that is totem church rather than a real church. We were in Alaska recently and we walked over to a tall totem pole and in the center of Sitka and got our picture taken. I've had friends in the past that won't go near them thinking that they still hold some relic of the ancient gods, but I'm not really afraid of such things, and so we had the requisite picture taken. It'd be easy to think of totem poles as relics of ancient myths and out-of-date beliefs, but fact is, people buy tokens, and they buy into totems to this very day. I, I decided, in fact, on the way back in the airport to try to count the totems I saw, but I couldn't count them fast enough. People were wearing Red Sox hats, who weren't Red Sox. But that was a totem. There were those of other teams, there were those of shirts and sweatshirts of uh, of universities and colleges and OK. And then there were others, professional sports logos, city names, band names, concert names the names of the designers who made the clothes, which has always been a fascinating thing to me, that someone would pay extra to advertise for the very shirt maker they had to pay for the shirt. But they do, and they do so happily. People who have never played ball in their life, never seen the inside of a gym, will wear shirts saying gold's gem or they'll they'll declare themselves a member of this team or that team I've even seen people in the entire kit it's got it's got the 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 t-shirt it's got the shorts they wear and it's got the shoes and the socks and I'm still thinking you're full of no one but these are totems you can buy cologne with a professional sports athlete's name on it that one that one, amazing, I don't know how that translates from watching some sweaty man running back and forth on a basketball court to thinking, I want to smell like that. <laughs> and I will pay a lot of money to do so. And many of you wear enough of it that you share that smell with others um, in, the, in the area. People will buy perfumes with Hollywood stars or music stars name on it. Chaps, Polo, Ralph Lauren, Tommy Hilfiger, Old Navy, you get the idea. Stickers on our cars do the same job as the, job, uh, the clothes and the perfumes do. They mark us, they identify us, they declare our allegiance. They, they make us a part of something. I'm a part of it now. I have the totems. Pins worn or banners put up on Facebook Declaring your vaccination status or that you voted or that you stand with the people of Nigeria or whatever. None of these things are wrong. Please don't get me, don't, don't get confused here. All of these things are harmless. But you need to know that they show that totemism is alive and well. One comedian even said that he was opposed to magnetic stickers but didn't know how to show it just his way of saying all of us show what we support and what we don't in our different ways. It seems harmless, and it usually is. But totemism taken to an extreme is, well, religion. Some of you know that the stories I'm about to tell you are true. But many of you are going to have a hard time believing they are. We have in our body here and at the sound stage, and they'll be leading us through communion later, Dutch and Carolyn Masters. And they have been to these islands a large number of times. I asked him, he told me, and I promptly forgot. I think it was 12, 14, something in there. And they can tell you that. They know these stories. So when we talk about cargo cults in the Southwest Pacific, don't tune out this might be more closely connected to your life than you ever realized. There are, around the world, religions that are based on moving bits of things from here to there, and then waiting for a blessing. In the Southwest Pacific Island, there are concentrations of a particular form of these events or these groups called cargo cults and look them up, but not now, because we're doing church. <clears throat> but you, those of you at home, know that you have a pause button, and I'm sure you use it frequently. As people are involved, these cargo cults don't look alike, because they will criticize the way the other people move their bits, of paper or leaf, or the way they move while walking up and down a particular road, and therefore they form another denomination. On the very tiny island of Vanuatu, there are three denominations of cargo cults. What are they? Here's how they started. They actually started back in the 18th century. Ships arrived, exploring the world, and these ships arriving on these islands that were locked into the Stone Age was like anything you've seen in a movie where aliens descent. It was just as bizarre to them and as otherworldly as close encounters of the third kind or Independence Day, you know, looking up and seeing the sky is blotted out by a spaceship could not be more stunning than what they felt. In the movie, which has been out many years now, so spoiler alert, I'll still say, at the end of Apocalypto, You see a whole society that's wrapped around itself and thinks it's the only society. But at the very last scene, wooden ships are seen approaching. And they don't realize everything is now changed. Forever. Well, when these landed on Micronesia and Melanesia and around there, the natives in that Stone Age culture were shocked to confront modern industrial people groups. that came out of nowhere. The sailors were looked upon as gods, or spirits sent by the gods, or spirits sent by their ancestors, who were also their gods that they've always prayed to, and now they showed up or sent emissaries, blessing them with all the goods they've been waiting for. They'd always been praying, now they're faithful. When the ships resupplied with water and food and sailed on, the islanders wanted them back, and we can all understand why. They wanted also the goods that these people had brought with them. Strange things like trinkets, food, medicine were gifts from a God. And so began a theological experimentation. How to please the gods enough to get them back. The very definition of theology is the study of God so that we can be in a relationship with Him, and the very word religion means to restore a lost path and return to the path to re liaise with the one we are worshiping and so theology and religion that applies to what they were doing now these cults were a minor phenomenon until world war ii and then a lot of ships arrived suddenly vast numbers of ships and material were pouring into the islands from, we could do air quotes here, nowhere. First, the Japanese. Later, the Americans, the British, some Dutch, arrived with unspeakable, unimaginable goods. Radios, voices from beyond the sky. They could talk to each other when they couldn't see each other. They were talking to the spirits as far as the locals knew. There were things like manufactured clothing, fine furniture, huts, shelters, inflatable boats, medicines, and so much more. And the natives' circuits were blown with the way that the gods had finally showed up and started blessing them for all of their faithfulness. This wealth, the material, the power, the magic that these white beings brought with them. And it's truly, it's just impossible to overstate the effect this has. Just think of to many ways, I'm I'm a space alien to my grandsons. We showed them at our house, we had them over several months back. We decided to show them the first Spider-Man movie. First Spider-Man movie was made just before cell phones, smartphones, and everything was different they guy, the spider-man guy runs and makes a call on a payphone and I stopped the movie because the boys are just looking I said do you know what he's doing and they went no and so I tried to talk to them about a world where you only had one phone tied to the wall you couldn't get away from it because it was tethered with an incredibly knotty wrapped thing and you, all conversations were therefore public because other people also shared the line you were speaking on and that there, you had no phones. If you wanted music, you had to carry something else. If you wanted to take a picture, you had to carry something else. If you wanted a video, you had to carry and went on. And, and they actually tuned out about halfway through. Their circuits could not accept. They said, if you want to know stuff, you had to go to a library and look it up on cards. They said, how did you do that? And I said, well... We were powerful beings. (laughs) And and yet we survived. But this is much much greater than this. But war ends. And suddenly those on our islands were isolated again. And they were separated from all of the blessings that they had learned to enjoy and count on. The tribes assumed that the arrival of these beings and goods was a sign that their gods were pleased. So when they left, what did they assume? They had displeased them. Well, what do we have to do to get them back? Well, they thought that the key was to imitate how the Japanese, Dutch, Americans, and British had behaved. Maybe there were magic movements of your arms, your bodies, things. So they constructed crude approximations of landing strips and waited. They would carry sticks on their shoulders And try to march in the sacred pattern that would bring the ships back. They built out of whatever they could find. Making desk and having bits of paper or leaves or whatever they could get. Scrap metal. Think of the professor on Gilligan's Island. And they would move it around and see if that was a combination. They would run down and see if the ships were coming. If their gods were coming back. They do that to this day. They would bark out orders, they marched, they and the years go by, and there is no blessing. So instead of thinking, you know, maybe we got this wrong, they're thinking, we got the right idea, we're just doing the idea wrong, we need to readjust something. So they argued and split into different cargo cults, because this one moves the, the scraps this way, but we move them this way. And these, they make these approximations and march like this, but we think we should march like this. The, there, some of the cults, for example, John Frum, and Frum is F-R-U-M, the John Frum cult. They, people, we, we just don't know where the name came from. It is thought by some, and it's a wild guess, but it's a pretty good one, that somebody asked a powerful person who they were and where they came from, and he said, I'm John Frum. And we don't know where the From was. But John Frum has his own church now. uh, And he doesn't even know it. Some sailor has all these people. They decided to pray through him. They pray through John Frum. As some Christians pray through saints or Mary. Thinking he's the one who can bring it back. Then there's the Tom Navy cult. Well Tom is just a first name. Navy I think we all get where that must have come from. And they decided you know we need the true name you need to speak the true name rather like those people who believe that God will like you better if you don't say Lord or God but you say Yahweh and you don't say Jesus you say Yeshua and they insist on pronouncing them that way as if God didn't have a name before there was Aramaic or Hebrew as if God doesn't have names in other languages and therefore they split we need to be more like this We need to be more like this, and it doesn't work, does it? By the way, there's another denomination called the Prince Philip Movement. Oh my! It worships Queen Elizabeth's husband, who visited the islands during the war. He wore a uniform with a whole lot of bling on it, and they figured that's the one, that's the true one, from whom we, through whom we should pray. Each believes that the others are wrong, that they're moving the wrong bets. Or the, maybe the right vets but in the wrong way you get the idea and they're not alone there's the Yali cargo cult on Papua there's also um, the Palaia movement the Pele movement the Kivung, and I'm apologize for my pronunciation I had no New Guineans handy uh, to run some of these past and I should have called Dutch but I didn't so there you go You know, preachers, we get used to only working on Sunday and we just, you know, it's hard to. Anyway, moving on. When sociologists and psychologists analyze the actions, they call they call it sympathetic magic. The sympathetic magic still exists. Your doctor might tell you you don't need to take all of these supplements, but you believe if you take them, it it makes you feel better. And they even will put it on television that you don't have time to eat vegetables. who has time to buy eat fruit just swallow these capsules now because the fda does have a few rules not enough really when it comes to this they'll say i feel better instead of i am better that was measured i'm better things have improved it's just no i think they make me feel better okay okay there's a little totem ism here i take this therefore without any proof but maybe, and other people will fight you and say, don't take those, you got to take these. Those aren't natural enough. These are. And You can walk into stores, organic bananas. What are these? All bananas are organic. They're carbon-based. They, but regardless, what they mean is somebody fertilized this area. But it's cheaper. So, pff, I, it's not even a question with me. I'm going for the cheap bananas because it's not like they're going to survive the trip home because they go from green to mush in a banana second. That's a a term in physics. Regardless, um, in the old days, for example, mandrakes were used for men who had men problems because a mandrake looked like men's bits. Therefore, if we eat that, then our, our bits are fixed. That's sympathetic magic. These Cargo cults carved wooden headphones. They set up an abandoned quonset huts, all in the attempt to get it right. I hope you're finally starting to see the dawn, to get it right so that the gods would come back. Rather like the slide that Kirsten found for me. We, you know, my sermons don't often come up with this, you know, people hear them go, oh, here's a picture. So Kirsten has to find it. And she found one with a magician's hat and a bunny coming out, because that's exactly what this is. If we do religion right and we do all of the things exactly right, then then salvation will pop out. It's terrifyingly close to the way churches operate. My late cousin Frank S. Mead wrote a book called *The Handbook of Denominations in the United States*. After his death, there's a team that updates it every few years. I make it a point to read each new edition because it reminds me that all of these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tribes thought the other religions of their day were missing something. But if you do it this way, if you emphasize this, and if you say it this way, then Jesus would be happy with us. Some believe that if they get everything right, that will bring Jesus back and start a 1,000-year reign on earth. Alexander Campbell, who was a primary driver of uh, the tribe of many here and many listening out there, had a paper called The Millennial Harbinger. In other words, the announcement that the millennium is coming. Why did he name it that way? Because he felt he had finally gotten worship perfectly. Therefore, Jesus would come. And the organization was perfect. Therefore, Jesus would come, and people still believe it. I we're going through the Book of Acts on our midweek Bible studies, and I make it a very good point that I I don't fight anybody over gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't fight anybody's experience that they've not been a part of my life, and I don't feel a need for them. But other people do, and therefore. I'm okay with it. And a few people and they wrote every every email I got on this was nice and from nice people saying, "I know you don't think they're all that important, but I this does and and this is really and I get that. I really do. But there are places that teach. Jesus won't come back until we get the gifts right." And I keep thinking we're moving the leaves on a desk, thinking hit the combination and here he comes. It's even worse than a roulette wheel. I don't know why anybody gambles because it's, real, it's a time saver to just go in the backyard and burn the money. But if you gamble, why roulette? I mean, zero skill, zero strategy. But this is more like a roulette wheel with a couple thousand slots because each time there's another division, we're going to do the same thing but in a different way. It's, um, it's tragic. We spend our lives searching for that magic combination. In the tribe of my youth and middle adulthood, there were five official divisions over how to take the simple bread and juice in communion. And in the directory that was made, I don't know if it is anymore, uh, in the front, they would show here are the abbreviations for each of these. You have one cup. Uh, break the bread, don't break the bread, break the bread before the prayer. I'm not making these up. All of these things were divisions that people split over. Oh, and they weren't all. There were splits over Sunday school, splits over, well, we could just keep going. All of which they were convinced in their minds that they were the ones pleasing Jesus. Therefore, they would receive the bunny out of the hat. They would receive the ships back into harbor. They would receive the blessing if they just got it right think about that and if you're not squirming a bet I don't think you're paying attention because this this is squirmable it really is I don't know if that's a word it is a word because I just were to fight it. Yeah, squirmable Yay! there we go I got a yay from the front row that when divisions grew they kept growing because well we're still not getting that blessing so music association organization even clapping has split churches and the clappers think they're pleasing God more and the non clappers think they're pleasing God other congregations will look at you when you don't do it exactly like them and say you've left the old paths you're not wearing the proper clothes you're making too much noise or you're making too little noise all of these fears and reactions reek of a cargo cult They've missed the very thing Jesus asked from us. A relationship. Not a ritual. Al told a lovely wee story. Glad he caught me being good. Then, You can catch me being bad if you keep watching. But I'm trying not to be. If I tried to please Miss Cammie with a set of rituals, she would be miserable. If the way we do it is to have communion... I give her a kiss and then I step back and then I step in because she pulled me with her shirt and she gives me another kiss. That's our rule. Then it would lose its power over time because it's a ritual, it's not a relationship. Now, some things I think you could argue about. Dating, the only time we were allowed to hold hands in church was during a prayer. Loved prayers. <laughs> Loved prayers. And they'd call on a couple of people for prayers. And I'd be going, yes, because they droned on and on and on. And we still hold hands or hug whenever we pray to this very day. But you know what I mean when I say ritual. If it's a ritual and not a relationship, and Cammie doesn't want a form. She wants a friend. Not rote, but relationship. Marriage is a dance where each one pulls and twists and turns and the other reacts by working together it's not stagnant it does not lock into one set of actions because if it did it would die there are there's a man who talked about his like he and his lady were in fact he calls her my old lady in the song and i'm thinking all right i've spotted an issue because he's he's singing about how their relationship seems dead and so they both went out and, and put ads in the paper. Do you like pina coladas? Do you like walks in the rain? And those of you who, uh, who had to suffer through the 70s and 80s and heard that Rupert Murdoch song so often, um, he's dead now, But if that helps. But the song continues. Later he was interviewed and he said, everywhere he goes people try to buy him pina coladas and he hates them. It was just the song. It was just a song. But what he said in the song was also a lie. The way to get back is to do everything the way we used to do it. No. It is to be and do who you are today with the person they are today. And to continue to outplease each other. In our dance with God, He released us from the temple. I want you to think about that. Old Testament had about 611 laws. Some people say a little bit more, a little bit less. It's according how you count some of them or break them down. 611 laws. Jesus was asked what the laws are for us. He said, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, that's it. In the Old Testament, you can read Leviticus and Deuteronomy and write down hundreds of laws about how exactly to worship, when to worship, what it means, in the order of. In the New Testament, we do not have the description of a worship service. We have bits and pieces. A little bit about what was happening in Corinth, a little bit about what was happening in Colossae, but not much. It's rather like trying to write a biography of something by looking at their windows as your train goes by on the way to work every day. You're getting glimpses and then going, all right, I found the way to move the leaves on the desk. No, New Testament, he didn't ask us to do ritual except for those that center us, remind us of each other, and remind us of God, like communion, like baptism, where we show on the outside what God wants of us, buried with Christ, raised to walk in a new life, sins forgiven. But there aren't much in the way of rituals. I've had people come to me very surprised. They'll say, Can, what, what's, God's defini- you know, how, what's God's definition of a wedding? And I'll say, he doesn't have one. And they'll just look i say marriage he's got that covenant between two people And they'll say well we want to do our wedding right and i said well that's the thing you can't do it wrong because all i got to do is sign the paper the rest of it is fluff expensive fluff that splits families and creates debt fluff and in fact i've, I've said more than uh, two more than one couple who've stood there just kind of like this saying, listen, I can just sign a paper, hand it to you, and you can run. We'll be done. God doesn't give us a bunch of ritual, but he does give us relationship. We are not going to read all of these because this lesson is going long enough as it is, and we have a story that we also want to share, and don't, do not rush through it, Dutch. We are, built time into this. Um, so you at home and you here later, you have a pause button. And you can also go to our notes. Kirsten is, is magic. And she puts these notes up. And so all of these scriptures are in the notes. Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8. Psalm 51, verses 16 through 19. By the way, spoiler alert, all of these say the same thing that Micah said that was read to us by Brett. He doesn't want the rules. He wants a relationship. Jeremiah 7, verses 21 through 23. 1 Samuel 15, 22. That's a real good one. Hosea 6, 6. The story of Hosea is coming soon. Amos 5, 21 through 24. And of course, Micah. We were loosed from the temple to be at large, to be free, to move, to be a center of a place of forgiveness and love wherever we are in the world sadly too many of us are like the elder brother in the prodigal son story who stay at home get by with ritual get by with duty and remain unhappy and unfulfilled in fact many after covid thought all right i've just been so discombobulated I'm, I'm so, I, what i really need to do now is go back and do exactly the same thing that did not help me before how is that different than a cargo cult Sociologists will tell you it is not. When you read their works on cargo cults, they bring parallels to modern churches. Because there are. What would happen if we're released from all of this and we can just love people? What if we can just go be Jesus to people? And that's what he wants. And for us to wake up and just say, all right, what, where do you want to go today? One of our brothers here, when he asked, was asked how he was doing, he said, I woke up on the right side of the dirt this morning. That's a very Irish thing to say, by the way, brother. And, and I loved it. I just, you hear it all the time. Oh, come on this side of the dirt. Well, fair enough. And, and it just means, let's go. Let's, let's, let's may as well do something. Have you, um, back in the day, many years ago, Windows released one of its many iterations. And its phrase back then was, where do you want to go today? Now, whatever you think of windows, that was an incredibly good slogan. Because the idea was, wherever you want to go, this will take you. United Airlines did a version of that uh, in, in, their, in their commercials. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Often, when I wake up in the morning, my first thing is, all right, I have no idea what's going to happen today, God. Just wherever you want it to go, I don't want to fight you. So help me go in the same direction, you're going. And that's the best we can do. I mentioned roller coasters and I talked about Al. Another roller coaster thing, I don't like them, but I get on them because I'm with people that like them. I'm not afraid of them, I just don't need help becoming carsick. And and the concept of handing somebody money and saying, please, disorient and frighten me, it seems psychologically abusive, but still, I remember I used to, have, um, used to go with the youth group sometimes whenever they'd say, Patrick, we'd like to have your help. And we'd go to um, now long lost parks like Kennywood outside of Pittsburgh and we would ride the coasters and some of them would want to ride this one again and nobody else would. Well, that means one of the ministers has to go with them and they'd say, there you go. There's something, if if you don't like roller coasters, you're going to understand what I'm about to say. You sit there and they drop the bar. And it goes clunk. It's real now. They don't release that thing. There's another problem. It's not snug enough. Have you ever noticed that? I'm going, no. Is Is there a bathroom on this thing? uh, what are the safety features and they just go they don't care instead of waking up in the morning thinking that God wants you to do a certain set of rituals in a certain set of way or he will not be happy wouldn't it be more interesting to wake up in the morning and hear the bar go clunk all right God wherever you're going let's go might be scary might be fun but I'm in I'm in for the ride it is heartbreaking to me that churches are a lot quicker to accept someone whose ritual is right but whose heart is wrong rather than to accept someone whose heart is right but their ritual is wrong and everybody listening knows that's true i think of mother teresa i have a lot of arguments with theology in the catholic church but I will stand here and say to the world with no hesitation that she loved better than I love. And she sacrificed more than I have. So while I might question, and not just might, I do question some of the ritual and theology. I can't question her heart. I think I've got the bare few rituals God wants us to do. I think I understand them. But my heart's not as good as hers. Why should I judge her? When scripture says all along, he wants the relationship. When ritual trumps relationship in the heart, that church is turned into a modern day cargo cult. Moving bits of debris about on a table and hoping for a blessing one day. I got a call. I'm wrapping it up fairly soonish here. The sermon, I asked him to give me a wee bit more time and Dutch more time today. It's all built in. I um, got a call. We were living in the south of Scotland, or the Midland, really, around Glasgow. Got a call from some people that had started a church in, uh, up in Inverness, in the Highlands. They said, well, they needed to talk to me. There was a problem. I was going, all right, fair enough. Now, I wasn't in charge of anything over there. They, but these people knew me. They want me to come up. So I made the ride up into the Highlands and was will shorten this. The lady looked and she goes, they only use one cup here. And I went, yes, in the islands, that is, to tr- be fair, come on, they're like 10. You know, uh, so they're, yeah, they do. And she goes, well, we're, the scripture would allow us to do many cups. I said, yes, yes. She said, so we're going to order some from America. And I said, why would you do that? Why would you, why would you mess with them and hurt them and confuse them over this? You don't need to. And she goes, well, it's unsanitary. Okay. She said, then she went a little far. She said, you could get tuberculosis that way. Actually, you can't. It's airborne, but okay, let's go with that. Um, Most people don't want to know about germ theory at this stage. So I just said, wouldn't that be fantastic? She just looked at me. I said, oh, go on. Cause of death, communion. Just show that when you walk into heaven you know that's you'll get a nice seat she did not appreciate that at all I'm and maybe I was being a little jerk there because that can happen friends most people I can't say I don't know a lot of people leave their church every day feeling empty and even okay but Maybe because their church is going through the motions and they're going along, but it's not touching the lives. They're ritually correct, but they're not dancing. I'm afraid if we keep doing that, our ship will never come in. So our law is very simple here. Love God. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because if that fulfills all the law and all the prophets to Jesus, who are we to say otherwise? We're going to transfer over into a time of communion. Dutch and Carolyn, thank you for leading us today. She's the pretty one and the smart one. In 1990, I made the first of 12 trips to Papua New Guinea as mission chairman of a church in Memphis, Tennessee that supported a Bible college that was there. I knew nothing about Papua New Guinea before we went, except that Carolyn's dad was there in World War II, and was wounded there. In fact, we've been to the runway where he was shot by a Japanese airplane.